today following the Pride weekend, we have Emma joining us. Um, I found Emma's content on Facebook. Uh, summer vacations, nothing to do. And I had a look at a lot of different Swedish content creators who were speaking in English. And that's how I found Emma's content. And I think a lot of what she said was quite relatable to me um, in many ways. Uh, being African, coming to Sweden, and then I think balancing what it means to be a Swede, but also the different political narratives and the society and the environment and getting a bit of an understanding of, you know, what is my identity here. But Emma, would you like to introduce yourself? Um, my name is Emma. And uh, I usually say that I come from Stockholm. <laughs> um, and that makes people crazy. But um, Wait, why does it make people crazy? Because it'd be like, how how are you from Stockholm? They, like, you're black. You don't you have uh, blue eyes and you're not blonde. How can you say you're from Stockholm? But I, I, I am from Stockholm. I don't care what they think. But I am originally, because they will always ask you, where are you originally <laughs> from? Yes. So I am originally from Nigeria. And I moved to Sweden in 2013 for my master's education. And after that education, I went back. But since then, I came back again in 2015. And since then, I've been living in Sweden. Wait, what was your master's on, if I may ask? Oh, I have my master's... Uh, uh, education African Studies at Dalarna University uh, in Falun. Then after that master's, uh, I went back. It's in African Studies. I went back to Nigeria because you have to get your papers and stuff. Uh, so I came back in 2015 and I did my second master's at Stockholm University. I did my master's in International and Comparative Education. And then something uh, after that education or at the end, within the end of that education, something happened. And I was like, wow. So because of what happened, I decided to take my third master's in child studies at Lynn Chopin's University. So, so far, uh, I have three masters from Swedish universities. Wow. And, um, Impressive. <laughs> I'm just uh, curious and I wanted to understand the society and be able to have my voice and speak confidently about what I know. And not just say things uh, for saying things' sake. Um, I am the first daughter, the first child of my parents. I grew up in a very strict Catholic home. Uh, my parents thought I was gonna be uh, a nun. I almost wanted to go into the nuns <laughs> convent. Convent. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Well, there's many, 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 many information about Ima. So Ima is just uh, is here and there. But growing up, I remember telling my parents that I wanted to be a lawyer. Mm. And then I passed, uh, like I was six, seven, eight years. And I kept telling my mom, I want to be a lawyer. I want to be an international uh, human rights lawyer. And my mother didn't understand where the idea came from. And then when I was about to go into the university, I wrote this exam that we write in Nigeria before you get into the university. And you're supposed to have some sort of grade, point. And you're supposed to have like 250, and I had 220. So I couldn't get into the law school. And the next time I wrote the exam, I got 269. But already my mother has changed the courses 
that I will study to English language. So like, no, I don't want you to study law. I want you to study English. And at that point, I didn't protest because I was, I was like, I just need to get into the university. But years later, I was like, mom, but I've always told you I wanted to study law. I don't understand why you changed to English language, although I enjoyed my study there. But I, I'm beginning to, to see why I do what I do. And I speak on social media about the things I speak about because you can't remove that passion for justice that I had at a very young age, even at this age. Even though I didn't turn out being a lawyer, I still don't need a law degree to speak about what is right. Many people who are listening to this hear you say the things that I speak about and your activism, but would you like to let people know what your activism is about? What do you speak of? What are the issues that concern you and you talk about on TikTok and Facebook? So on TikTok I, and on Facebook Reels, I talk about my life in Sweden. Because first of all, when I moved to Sweden, uh, I had this Swedish boyfriend that I met in Nigeria who told me that Sweden is the perfect country to live in. It's heaven on earth. You have human rights. You like. I was like, wow, this is the perfect place I would love to travel to and live. Like everything is going on. Everything is beautiful, perfect there. And then I came to Sweden with that hope that I was going to enjoy my life there. And a few months later, I had my um, experience of racism from a classmate. And that was when everything started opening. Like I started having different experiences. Like what? And next another thing. What? And like what's going on here? I also thought that everything here is <laughs> that we have uh, human rights. People respect one another. You have your voice. But um, so I talk about my experience: racism, segregation, inclusion issues, uh, integration, immigration. My life as a black woman in Sweden. All of the issues that I face is what I address. I also address uh, abuse. I also address, uh, I also talk about my experience as an African woman who has lived with other Africans and uh, the abuse and my experience with them. So I kind of talk about everything that I have experienced in Sweden, the, the good and the bad side of it as well. Can we talk about the first experience that you had in class with that student that made you, that kind of like shocked you and made you realize, because I also had the same kind of thing where like the first counter of actual racism, you're like, oh, first of all, what the fuck? But oh, so this is what people talk about. Because when I, like coming from Yemen, you don't really know much about racism. Yemenis and Arabs are racist. Okay, but once you're met with that racism, then you, as Arabs, as you're like, okay, so this is what it must feel like for other people who meet the Arab racism. And for me, it was a moment of, what the fuck? Why are you being such a douchebag and idiot and so ignorant? And the second thing was, ah, a moment of realization. Can you tell us about that moment in the classroom and what happened? And so, um, I, I just, uh, I. I moved to Sweden and I started my school at Dalarna University in Falun. And in like in the beginning, I stepped into that school. I felt so nervous because I was the only black person there. I didn't see any black person there. And then I started crying because I didn't see anybody that looked like me that I could talk to. 
But then finally, uh, a teacher came and helped me and talked me through that she would be there for me if I need, uh, if I have questions, I can always jump into her office to ask. Then I started to meet my cl- my coursemates from Italy, Greece, and some from Africa as well. So I started to feel, wow, that's nice. And then I had this uh, girl from Greek. Uh, she's mixed. She says she's from Greek and another country as well in class. And she was like, she was just full of herself. Like she was, oh, I've, she's lived in South Africa. She's studied in South Africa and stuff like that. And I was like, I've lived in Nigeria. I've studied in Nigeria. And then I noticed that every time I come to class, she points at me and then they start to, and like she formed a clique. So the, she points, she's the one that points and then they turn and then they start to laugh. And I started to feel like uncomfortable. Maybe I don't dress well or maybe there's something odd about the way I dress. So I tried to change my dressing and dress and maybe another way and try to hang out or talk to them. But every day I walked into class, she turns with this with her group and points and the next thing they start to laugh. And that's what I make it, and I started, I started feeling uncomfortable. I started feeling like, you know, I don't want to go to school. But then I said, if I don't go to school, my boyfriend paid a lot of money for me to come study here. If I don't go to school, then why would like waste the whole money that he paid for me to come study here? And I said, I need to approach this. So a week later, I walked up to her and I said, uh, I walked up to her and I was like, what are you doing? What's this? And she was like, oh, no, uh, no, she's not doing anything. I said, okay, fine. And then the next day, so we had our class and we had our, our lecturer in class just having our lecture. And then the next thing I said, excuse me, sir. And he said, oh, do you have a question? I said, yes, I have a question. And I, and I stood up and I said, please, I want you and the rest of the class to ask this girl and, he, and her group why they laugh at me every day I, I come to school. So my lecturer felt embarrassed, like he thought I was going to ask a question, but I was addressing a personal issue. I said, yes, I want her to tell me why she laughs at me. I want her to tell me why she makes me feel like I shouldn't be here and a lot of things. So everybody was like surprised. Yeah. I feel like it's a very, like those experiences when you talk to a lot of people, almost as though they have no idea it ever happened. There is um, an amount of ignorance sometimes where you're like, oh, you faced this in Sweden? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, They're like, oh, no, this never happened. Wait, so, so what happened then after you confronted her in front of the teacher? What did the teacher say and what happened after that? My, my teacher was like, Ima, um, this, we can't, uh, like you can't interrupt the class because of this. It's uh, so, and then she stood up and then she said, oh, it's nothing. I'm just, it's just fun and stuff. I said, I don't like it. Stop doing it. So I sat down. It's just fun. Yeah. What is it that's just fun? I don't see what was fun about that. Like making me feel like I don't belong there because I show up in class every day, well-dressed, looking good. And maybe that's kind of like, so, and then. After after that incident, the next day, her group then came to me. I was like, oh, we are sorry. Uh, this, that, that, that. It's not going to happen again. I said, but why were you pointing at me? Why was why was that happening? And then one person told me that she felt you're too much. Because too much. of how you dressed? Yeah, too much of was what? Was it the colors? So she, they felt that I was too much because she has lived in South Africa. And she felt like, as an African, I was too much. I was dressing well. She expected me to look less 
or to look like an orphan or whatever. And she saw she see me every day looking the best and just being outspoken. And that and for that reason, she found a way to bring me down by making fun of me. And I was like, wow. She pretty much looked at you and didn't see like a human being. She just saw a black person and then narrated you out of it. You know, like, because that's, that is actually what racism is. You don't view human beings as human beings. You view them as a part of a group, a part of something, and they have to confine to this specific group. And it could also, it could also happen with white people. I find myself like categorizing white people in a way, or Swedes, for example, like some of my Swedish friends who are extremely sociable, they like, like, they like to talk. They're very like engaging They're I'm like, wow, you're not Swedish at all. I pluck them out of their Swedishness and I'm like, you're not Swedish. And some of them get offended and they say, I am Swedish. I'm just social. But, and there's like different levels. So like if, if I tend to discriminate against a Swede and say, you're not Swedish, you're kind of extremely social. It's like, it's cute discrimination. It's something completely different when you target someone for their ethnic group and bring them down uh, or bring down their people. Like I get comments such as, you know, uh, you're one of the good ones, everybody else, eh, not so much. And I'm like, you realize you're talking about my mom, you're talking about my brother. That's not, you know, the same thing. You could you could talk about the culture, you could talk about the religion, you could attack specific parts of homophobia, uh, ex- religious ex- extremism, etc. But you don't just target the people and bring them down just to lift someone someone up i think it's so interesting that you brought up about the whole cute racism and the other thing i think i guess the biggest part is like you know in any kind of exclusionary comment that you make an individual will interpret it different way differently and especially if you're a minority and you're like the only one it feels more attacked than anything else um, I think with the girl who did bully you in school, I don't think she's actually experienced real Africans. And when I say real Africans, I mean, we, I guess we have a culture that is quite vibrant, that's quite happy. And like, you know, the, there is a lot of, um, I mean, just referring to dress types and maybe this is sweet, like, you know, in Sweden, that doesn't exist as much, like even the clothing selection you have. But when we have an African festival in Australia, for instance, everybody's dressed bright up. And for a lot of them, obviously that is a ceremony or like, you know, that's a festival. But otherwise, like, you know, African clothing mm. is quite bright mm. and color, yeah. colorful. So, Yes, uh, I think that it, the problem was that the, the thing was that she didn't expect to see a black girl like me showing up the way I was showing up. She already had this image of black people, the image she sees of media, poor, and they cannot afford anything. And then seeing me looking luxurious, she felt like, uh, no. And then she felt like the way to make me feel low like Africans, like the image she, she, she sees in, uh, on TV was to uh, make fun of me and just to bring me down. Because she did that with other black people in class as well, and they didn't say anything. And then with me, I was like, no. And when I did that, the other black people in class was like, thank you for doing that, because she has been on our way. She's been making fun of us. She's been saying things to them, but she couldn't say that to me. But after that, uh, I love how the school addressed the issue Although my lecturer didn't address the issue, but I love how the school because I had to, I walked up to the school uh, management and I reported the case, and then they made it uh, 
uh, a, discrimina uh, a, a discrimination uh, issue immediately and they invited her and she saw how blown the case was going to be. And the next day she came to apologize. I was like, oh, I'm not going to do that to you. I've lived in South Africa. I have a s black boyfriend. Like, oh, no. yeah, <laughs> that, that makes you that, that, that doesn't make you racist. Yeah, I have a black friend, yeah. you know, I'm not, I'm not no, racist. She said, I have a black boyfriend. Yeah, that's another like, token. But uh, it's a bit of a stronger token. But I mean, that's kind of um, it's also th there was this article that was written by um, a Swedish writer, a uh, rhetoric uh, a woman that works with rhetoric. And her name is Elaine Exvart. She's half Swedish, half African, I think. And she wrote this piece that was very controversial uh, where she was talking about the immigrant racism. Because what you met in class, that was an immigrant racism. It was a Greek woman. Yes. And there's the racism that comes from outside of Sweden is very outspoken. It's very in your face. A lot of uh, black people who report about racism in Sweden, it's usually most of it comes from immigrant groups who, you know, feel the need to, you know, use the N-word and be... Um, who suppress and oppress the people on the street. Mm -hmm. Swedish racism is different. Mm -hmm. It's not. It's very rare that you would find a Swedish man or woman spew out racism on the street. It's usually like it. Ca if it happens, most of the time it's older people, you know, from older generations, like who are like 70, 80 years old. But like Swedish youth, youth people, normals, millennials, normals, millennials. They're not that out about their racism. Or what do you guys think about that? Unless it's online. Unless I think, it's online. I think, I think a lot of people are likely to provoke and create conflict online than they would in person. Mm. And I think when people are behind screens, even if you know they won't say it to you in person, I think they feel safer behind screens. And this could be, especially in the generation now, just looking at the political divide, you would think a lot of younger people would be quite liberal. But you do have conservative groups as well who hold quite um, extreme ideas about other people versus ideas. Their own. And it's it's even more extreme, like uh, reading Swedish forums and then like Turkish forums, like the racism between Greeks and Turks, for example, or the racism between Arabs towards Africans, for example. The racism there is striking. It's very like we are better than and it's like on uh, on in sweden it's mostly like uh, anonymous accounts that actually yeah. dare write these things because the swedish law always also protects minorities there's like the hetsmut folkgrupp which is the law that uh, uh, punishes people who write even like anything degrading about any other people um, so in Sweden, there's that kind of protection. So people have to use anonymous accounts. They don't dare to have, you know, their actual accounts. But um, can, can you tell me more about like the, it's also weird when there's like that kind of racism at, at an academic level at university, yeah. because you would expect university to be a bit more quote unquote upper class. Uh, academics are more educated, more hashtag woke. But then you go to university and you have this group of students who are just pointing at you and laughing at you mm. because of pretty much your color mm. or who you are, really. Um, I think that um, racism has nothing to do with uh, the level of education that pe the person has. Because I can recount what happened on my Facebook uh, a few months ago where I was being attacked by this woman who seemed to be in her 
fifties or sixties. And when I checked her account, I found out that she was formerly the UN High Commission or something to Africa. Oh wow! Yeah, and, and was she a Swedish she, woman? Yes. Or, okay. She was a Swedish woman, like a pure Swedish woman, and she attacked me in a very like unexpected. Like she was extreme, and at a point, people asked me to report uh, to do a police report about uh, on this woman. She attacked me as a black person. She was like, who are you as a black person to stand on and make videos like this to talk about Sweden, to talk about the bad side of, of Sweden? When um, she's been in Africa and she knows about the war, she knows about the corruption, she knows about hunger, that I should focus, anything I'm saying, I should focus my uh, activism to Africa, what's happening, corruption, hunger, I should f help send money to Africa to feed the, the, the poor people there. And then she went through my profile. She even listened to my podcast and found out how I came to Sweden. That my, it was my Swedish boyfriend that brought me to Sweden. And then she w went writing more, just like, oh, you are those black girls that go on, on, on dating apps and looking for old men who are lonely to dupe them and, and to have relationships with them just to dupe them or whatever. And she was like, you look, uh, you're wearing makeup, you're looking great, you're doing this. When people are in Africa hungry and they don't even have money to eat and you're looking this good, you're wearing nice clothes, looking good, and you have the guts to stand uh, and make videos about Sweden. That is disgusting. It's, <laughs> it's like, honestly, like there are certain types of people, cer certain types of Swede who would be enthralled about you commenting on islam like sarah and i do and you know criticizing islam uh, or even just being like you know even just being honest about the cultures we came from yeah. like no culture including the swedish culture is perfect by by far exactly. i feel like every culture has its bad and good mm -hmm. and sometimes some cultures have immensely bad things like the cultures that we've all come from right abuse was normalized um and i feel like the fact that this woman had to kind of deflect your criticism was almost as though she did not expect anyone to say anything bad about sweden right and there is a lot that needs to change in sweden but i found this like in my experience you know not not the racial attacks but like in the general vibe of people i find that most people who don't talk about politics never want to verbalize that sweden can improve right even if it's like normal people at work like you know are not engaged in politics as much would never accept that sweden has to improve and I've lived in like Australia and the UK and just talking about the healthcare systems in both. And I come to Sweden and I'm quite shocked. And this is not new to any other foreigner who has lived in either of those countries. And it's like nobody talks about it. And I think there's almost a certain level of ignorance. And until you experience it yourself or you've experienced something better, that's when you come back and you're like, oh, well, you know, Sweden doesn't have it that great. There are some benefits, but I'm pretty sure, like, you know, when I came to Sweden, my idea was amazing healthcare. And then I go to the doctors here and I am surprised. Like, you know, me, you know, getting sick and they don't offer to do any blood tests or anything until I found a great doctor who did. But it took me like four or five doctors to change to get there. And that's just one aspect of it. There's so many other aspects. Like I think something that you mentioned 
integration, immigration, where, you know, people have this idea that Sweden has taken in so many immigrants. They're so kind. I think that they, I think that the Swedish people want the, the political system to improve. They want uh, um, the systems to improve. But I feel that the woman was challenging my audacity as an African coming from where I come from. To have to, lower standards. To have an opinion about yeah. Sweden and like things happening here that I should be okay or thankful for being in Sweden in the first place. Even though that, even though I've been working my ass off in this country and paying my bills and paying my tax, she believed that I wasn't working. She believed that I was here living on the uh, big drag or something. Basically, and categorized you exactly. So, racialized you. So they want the country to improve. They really want that. But me questioning the system was mm. what made her. And other people go crazy. Every time I question the system, they ask me to go back to Africa. I can go back to Africa. I can go back to Africa when I want. But I have lived in this country for many years. And I pay my tax here. And I hope to get my pension here. So I have a say in what's going on in this country. Even though I come from... Even Yeah, I have two nationalities now. I have my Swedish passport and my Nigerian passport. And that's enough for me to have my say in the Swedish political system. Absolutely. I mean, I don't have a Swedish nationality, but I think like, you know, even just moving here and if you're going to bring in people and you want to them to stay, you've hired them, for instance, or, you know, if they're refugees or whatnot, they should have a say in the political system. However, it should also be informed, which yours absolutely is. You've done a lot of research into a lot of the videos that you've put in. But to make it into a comparison between, hey, you've had it rough in Africa, you don't get to say. Mm -hmm. But something that is clearly beneficial for, I guess, the majority of people with the changes or the criticism that you've brought forward is really valuable. I don't know, Loi, what do you think? Because I think we previously spoke about um, a similar but a different topic on, you know, um, who should get a say in politics. And I think my counter argument is if you live here, yes, provided that it's going in a more progressive standard, something that's beneficial. I think if, if you live here and if you're educated on the country, you can understand the political, you have to understand the politics, you have to understand what the politicians are saying. And I think we spoke about it when Alexander Bard was yes. here. And we spoke about language also being very important because if you can't speak the language, then it's harder for you to actually understand what the politicians are saying. And then you can be fooled into voting for something that you, you're not very well-rounded about. But I, I think what you talked about, that um, the Swedes are afraid of being criticized, uh, it's not just true. It's, like it's extremely... Um, integral in how the Swedish society is is that they think that they're perfect and Swedes think that they're so perfect that immigrants who come here are just going to adapt and there there is no flaw in the system everything it's one of the top-notch countries in the world the healthcare system the education is free etc everything is so good here so immigrants who come here have to be grateful uh, if they see something that they don't like then they have to shut up because it's so much worse in their country. So they just have to be grateful and just shut up. And I think that is a very segregationist point of view. It's kind of like saying we, the Swedes, are the ethnic white Swedes who own this country. And as an immigrant, you will never be a part of our society and our country. And it's kind of like, wait, you took in two million immigrants. 
what, what are you are you like what, what was the purpose was it just to bring in people put them on the side and build a, a parallel society where the immigrants are aside and the swedes are on the other side that will eventually lead to racial wars that will eventually re you know lead to things like the united states where the racial segregation racial conflicts are on the rise and they have like a history that they cannot let go of. Sweden has a, 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 um, a history with racism, but it's much easier for Sweden to get rid of its history of racism than it is for the United States of America, for example, that has a entrenched system, systemic racism that goes way back into like their prison systems. The, the, everything in the United States is uh, in many ways built on racism and on the backs of black people sweden does not have that much uh they, they don't their hands are not simmered with blood in the same way that the united states of america does and like you said sort they, they, they can get better they can improve but i do think that the fact that swedish politicians are acting like migration and immigration is an issue not to be discussed it is an issue that's uh you don't talk about migration. They pretend that Swede, Swede, as Swede, the Swedish society is anti-racist and there is no racism and immigration is just going to blend into society, which is, by in result, uh, impacts migration and makes segregation worse. And that is an issue that Swedish politicians have a very hard, talk, uh, a very hard t- time talking about or trying to uh, resolve. I think, Imam, you made a video quite recently about the immigration and integration systems, didn't you? Yes. What was, what was your narrative on that video? Because I think she had very similar views or rather expanded on how she's kind of researched into how other countries have done it or what are some ways that you can actually improve. Yes. Um, but before then, I have to go get back to what you said about... Uh, them not expecting that like they don't want the immigrants to complain or to say something about that and the repercussion the like people are revolting the swedes are angry immigrants are angry they're going online and fighting and i kind of can relate that to having like being with a patriarchal man being a wife to a patriarchal man and you're and you're married to him and you're not allowed to say anything one day you will uh, one day the woman would uh, find her voice and start to revolt. So the, the more they continue to silence the immigrants or not listening to other side, the more it's going to continue to create this division and people and create groups like people seeing this one as the enemy and this one seeing the other one as the enemy. Like on my TikTok, like <laughs> I never understood the problem in Sweden. I, I heard um, poli- like people talking about that uh, um, uh, politically and sitting down with friends and we're talking about that. But I haven't, I didn't, know the extent of this division till I started my TikTok uh, videos. That me, I am in the middle of all of this. So the, okay, I'm in the middle of four groups. Uh, the anti, the Swedes that are anti-immigrants, the immigrants that are anti-Swedes, and the immigrants that are open, and the Swedes that, who are open. And I am in the middle that sometimes when I make content, the Africans, the anti-immigrants, the the anti-immigrants, especially Africans, come for me and be like, oh, you are siding the, the Swedes. You are now saying things about Sweden. You are now saying nice things to about Sweden. And now you're now saying not so good things about us. And then when I say things about Sweden when it comes to in- immigration, the Swedes come for me like, oh, you're an African. You shouldn't be saying that. So I'm like, wow, we have 
so much division yeah. yeah you're just in the on. middle of it and people are like oh don't do things with sweets you can't trust like it's a lot of division and what i usually write on my tiktok is people uh, is telling both groups to talk to one another go out meet a sweet talk to them go out meet uh a Somalian, meet someone, talk to them, and get to know their story. In that way, you'll be able to stop this hate you already, you were already building up. So I have been talking about immigration, inclusion, and segregation because people are complaining about the crime rates in Sweden. And they're saying since immigrants moved to Sweden, the crime rates have uh, skyrocketed. And people are talking about uh, segregation. And because immigration... Uh, when not hand- handled well, lead to inclusion, no, lead to segregation. And the only way to, s- to solve <laughs> segregation issue is to bring inclusion, to include everyone into the system. Like, you come to Sweden, or for example, in Stockholm, you have white areas where you find only most white people live there. And when you have a black person living there, the white people look at you like, how do you afford? How can you afford to live here? And you find another area where it's more immigrants, and they have their world there. They're doing their things there. And when they see white people, they see Swedish people. I remember one time telling my friend, he's Swede, that we need to go to Rinkeby to visit my friend who lives in in, in Rinkeby. And he was like, "No, I don't want to go to there." I said, "Why?" He was like, "He said, oh, I don't feel safe there. They might attack me." I said, "Have you been there?" Have you been there before? No. How do you know they will attack you? It's the media. So as far as we continue to um, segregate groups, leave them in areas where we feel this is the area for immigrants and this is the area for for, um, locals, and then because where we live determines where our kids go to school and who they relate to it and the socioeconomic uh, status in the future. So as we continue to give this division, immigrants, and also... This means the quality of tea of education as well, because I have taught in school as a, as a teacher. It means the quality of the schools you go to and the, and the system there is like education quality there is so so bad. And there are schools you go to and the education quality there is top notch. And most times you go there, you see the very educated white suites. You see their kids in those schools and the. Schools with low qualities, you see the immigrants, and most times they drop off. And once they drop out of school, the next thing is crime. And so how do we solve that? How do we have a blend of all of our all of these groups, culture and stuff, so that we can help one another, understand one another, know more about each other? And once I, r- I raise that on social media, I get uh, like people saying, oh, immigrants should go home. But how can they go home? Being that the people committing this crime, supposed crime, were born here. Being born here, they are citizens. They are Swedes. So which country do you send them home to? So we need to address immigration systems, how we bring people in. We prepare. Um, we, pre- we have a process that helps them to integrate into the society. We make sure that we follow up this process to make sure that they are doing what they should do by learning the language, finding jobs, integrating, and, and stuff. But some political parties in Sweden think that it's not really a serious matter. But it, it's, it is a serious matter, and it's still going to be a serious matter. 
And, and some political parties are using that to their advantage to gain voters, to gain more groups, to get more people to their groups, like saying immigration is a problem. Immigration is not a problem. It's, how, it's a process that comes with it. How do we prepare for these people before we bring them to Sweden? How do we, do we have, like, we have people who immigrated to Sweden or refugees from war-torn countries. When they arrive to Sweden, do we have psychologists in, in, in place? Do we have therapists in place? Do we just let them just come into the society with what they have lived through without addressing that. We just want them to go into school and start to learn. It doesn't work that way. Just If I may add, there's a, we have like a tremendous lack of trauma care in Sweden. There is no like uh, enough facilities to uh, you know no not enough psychologists not not enough psychotherapists no we don't have that not in not even not even enough for like ethnic Swedes it does it's not enough for Swedes let alone for immigrants um, and Sweden is still accepting a lot of people from war torn countries but beyond that there is this like effect of trauma on people who come from war torn countries from oppression but there's also um, a culture of dominance and a culture of aggression that you have in countries like the Middle East and Africa where men have this mach macho culture that they have to patriarchal, patriarchal, patriarchal culture where they have to oppress the woman oppressed the LGBT community. They're, they're the men, they're strong, and everything else has to be subordinate. And in these specific cases, like uh, in Pride, Pride went along, the leftist parties and the moderates and the Christian democrats were all like marching through and having fun. And then uh, in Serga's story, there was a trans woman who stood up and wanted to have a speech. And everybody in the in front of her in the audience were men from the middle east and africa and they were throwing stuff at her that happened this year this year what let, let me get into it so they were throwing things at her and she was she just took the microphone she was gonna speak suddenly a guy came from the back ran and uh, hit her on her head she almost tripped. She gets herself together. She looks up. Another guy was splashing water on her face. She's and there were like police all around, but they couldn't see. And uh, she, you know, she's trying to get away from the water. She gets up, and then a third person, a third guy, came ra running and jumped on her and hit her head on her head again. And that's when the police started like seeing what was happening. Then the police came and like tried to help her. She ran away, and they they kept them. And they came and like gathered around and helped her and protected her. If the police were not there, she would have been beaten to death, possibly. And beyond that, no sweet like Expressen and Aftonbladet, which are like the main Swedish, uh, the two biggest Swedish medias that have been running for 50, 60 years, and SVT, which is the, the Swedish state uh, media, none of them reported anything about it. It just went like under the radar because they do not want to confront the fact that there is a uh, major homophobia and major like um, dominance culture in many Middle Eastern cultures. So they just pretend that it did not happen. And that is one part of like the, what they like to call, uh, wh what some people like to call reverse racism. I wouldn't say it's reverse racism. There's just like this, when white people, when white people commit homophobic acts, say if that happened by, um, if it was a group of white, uh, white young youth from the Swedish Democratic Party or some 
young uh, young white people who committed that crime, the media would have revolted. They would have reported about it. It would have been a big news in Swedish media. And the reason of that is that there's already a lot of oppression against minorities and immigrants. And Swedish media does not want to report about it. They do not want to report about oppression that comes from the minority. And in my view, that leads to more racism. That leads to Swedes feeling like, wait, hold on. Why do you report when there's hate crimes against LGBTQ people from white people? But when uh, immigrants commit it, you don't report about it because you're too scared that it will lead to more racism. And that has become more clear to the Swedes that Swedish media is very unbiased or biased, sorry, biased when it comes to reporting. And like I told you, you guys didn't hear about this trans woman who, who, who was beaten. I, I can show you that I can send you the video so you can see it. Had it been white men who committed that crime, it would have been all over the news. And I think this is exactly like going back to the problem from the start, you know, having immigrants come in, like trauma is one thing, but then there is a lot of um, cultural aspects that you do not address. And then when you keep having those segregated boundaries, they continue to manifest in those boundaries, like in that area. And then the other side, and I would assume this is a white side, where they haven't experienced what the differences are. When they see it, it's quite shocking as well. As somebody who's lived in like different areas and like, you know, us experiencing different things, you know, we would almost as though normalize, like, yeah, you can expect this from, you know, some people. But I think what happens is because the cultures are so segregated in Sweden, it's not multicultural, it's segregated culture. Because they're so segregated, that continues to manifest the dominance culture, the, you know, not, not being able to talk about integration, not being able to criticize certain cultures is what kind of prevents us from, you know, defeating any um, stigma behind, you know, equality um, or... I guess, um, Emma, I know you have something to say about feminism, but like things like feminism, which is to stand in Sweden, in everywhere for equal rights, you know, where Swedes have this notion that they're a feminist country does not apply to other minorities in Sweden. It does not apply to them because they've, they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to talk about it. And when it comes to it, they're just going to ignore it. And by they, I mean, everybody has a part to play and not like, you know, minorities like or immigrants who do talk about it. Like Emma talking about a few things. A few of my friends from Malmö who are all six Muslims talk about, you know, criticizing Arab culture. They get hate from their communities as well. They're or or from the liberal side, the left side. They're like, why are you talking about this? You shouldn't be criticizing it, even if you're from that culture. You'll be suddenly called racist for talking about your own race and criticizing things about it. Like I think criticizing cultures that have bad practices. And I think that's like the political narrative throughout. Like even as an ex-Muslim, I face that. Like, you know, you can't talk about Muslims or you can't talk about Islam. And I'm like, but the stats are there. Like I work with Muslim um I work with ex-Muslims in Muslim-majority countries every day, and this is happening. Honor crimes are happening. And they sometimes happen in the West where people have migrated. But when you don't talk about it and you don't counter it and you don't want to acknowledge that there is a problem here, you're, being a, you're doing a disservice to every other younger generation that's born into it.
I I get the same uh, comments as well. I get the same hate or well, I say hate or comments on on social media when I also talk about uh, the African community here in Sweden, especially coming coming from my personal experience, the patriarchal system still being carried all the way from Africa to Sweden, where husbands uh, expect their wives to be hundred percent loyal, to tolerate abuse, to give them sex when they want and like to have that same dominance they have in Africa and at, at the same time wanting the woman or expecting the woman to contribute 100% to the uh, to the financial aspect of, 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 of the family life. And when I speak ab- ab- against uh, domestic violence, because we still have domestic violence even here in Sweden uh, by uh, Africans, uh, African couples, and when I talk about that, then I get hate from the black communities. Or oh, you can be saying, are you saying that black marriages are not successful or that we are not uh, uh, good enough? Or are you encouraging people to to marry Swedes or stuff like that? I'm not encouraging. I'm not. I'm not encouraging anything. I'm just encouraging people to live their lives. I'm encouraging people not to have to live in abuse because it's our culture. It's not our culture. So they they tell me, but um, a woman has to. Um, give all respect to her husband she has to give in to her husband's desires and stuff like that even though we live in in sweden like for myself i left uh, a violent marriage in sweden i was married to an african and i had to leave and i know leaving took me took me months to to leave because of what the african communities will say be like oh you're not uh you are not african you're not a real african woman you're not behaving who's, like who's meant to survive it all, carry it on, don't exactly. bring shame. Exactly. Don't bring shame. So they were like, oh, why are you leaving? Like, why do you want to leave? You're not an African woman. You should be able to live through the abuse, even even when the abuse was killing me physically, emotionally. I was expected to be in that marriage because I'm an African woman. And when I decided to leave, then they tell me, oh, she's no longer African. She's now a white woman. 